Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. I'm Philip Gomes and with me today are, as usual, Anthony Tan. Hello, Phil. Ride Media Publisher Rob Arnold. Hello, Phil. And Jamie Finch Manager, frequent, often contributor to cycling here at SBS and also uh, football. Yeah, do a bit of everything. Hello, guys. Yes, that's right. And we're here for a uh, Vuelta España preview, which we will have coming up on SBS. Then a little bit after that, we'll have Jane Aubrey, who will talk to young Aussie talent Chris Hamilton, who will be riding his first Grand Tour at the Vuelta with Team Sunweb alongside TDF Mountains Classification winner Warren Bagheer. And after that, we will also remember the passing of Australian Olympic champion Stephen Woolridge, who sadly passed away uh, earlier on this week. We'll return after a short message from our friends at Zwift. Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community of cyclists at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers right on, who quickly become your new riding buddies and train harder and faster with competition on a global scale. Check out Zwift for yourself at Zwift.com today. Thank you, Zwift. Now, we alluded to it last week, but um, this Vuelta is a climber's race through and through, and I guess the sprinters will be more or less an afterthought. Uh, It's one with some interesting possibilities as well, uh, including the fact that Chris Froome is hoping to become the first rider since Bernardino in 1973 to do the Tour of Vuelta double, rare as hen's teeth. Hen's teeth. Do hens have teeth? I think that's why they're rare, Phil. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, in addition to a number of uh, number of other possibilities at this uh, at this race, um, uh, we'll start with you again, Anthony, as usual. Um, he does love to talk. He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, uh, have you will... listened to previous podcasts, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> that's that here. Will Froomey do the double? Yes, I said last week. So if I was to change my tone or tune this week, that would make me a bit of a hypocrite. There's been developments, you know, you're allowed to change. Yeah, I'd like to see some racing before I change my mind, but no, I think um, it's strange. I noticed on the start list that he's not got the number one dossier on his team. It's Puccio. It's well, no depending it? on which start list you look uh, at. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's all a bit. But number one number one is is going to Contador. Mm. Yes. Overall. Yes. Right. Yes. Because as a farewell gift for mm. And because the defending champion's not there. Yes, and also because a stake would have been as a parting gift would have been a little bit off. <laughs> oh, it's never gonna go. Sorry guys. Zero, Sorry. zero, zero, yeah, zero, yeah. zero. I wonder zero, if that zero, butcher zero, has zero, um closed down, no. closed shop or is it still no, operating? No. <laughs> Frumi has a unique opportunity to put a stamp on this race right from the very start because there's a technical uh, 13 point something kilometer time trial in Nimes, uh, team's time trial in Nimes, um, something that Sky is usually very strong at. Mm. Uh, what do you reckon about that? I think they're very strong at it, but I think BMC is going to launch it and uh, we're going to put Rowan Dennis in the red jersey. Ooh, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean... Perhaps. Why not? It's yeah, they're the best TTT team. They've got, you know, I don't want to keep harping on it, but they've got the money to buy these type of guys. You know, they specifically target the TTT. I noticed some of the acquisitions 
uh, for 2018. They're already talking about the TTT. You know, I, I personally don't really care too much about that at the Worlds. Hey, but there's the other TTT specialist team, the Orica Scott guys, and we see Svein Tuft on the lineup. So generally, if he starts, that ta-da, you know, like maybe... Why not? Mm. Let's give them a cheer. They've got a lot of weaker climbers in that roster, though. I mean, the Yates brothers and Chavez, I can't see them winning the TTT. But, yeah, why hey, not? Svein Tuff's there, man. I mean, yeah, he'll, he'll carry, he'll carry, he'll carry the team, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sit on the front for 13 kilometres. <laughs> he'll tow him like he towed his dog around Canada for however many years he was doing that for. But, yeah. While he was fighting bears out in the wilderness. Mm, exactly. Yeah, that's right. But do we are we sort of sort of forecasting the winner of the opening stages or are we going for the big one? What are we? What's the, what's the well, concept can, of the Conversation. We can start. We can start with the big one if you wish, and then kind of work our way back uh, if you'd like. Mm. Um, so yeah, what I'm do you just think? tired looking at all the transfer kilometers. So I just don't know the route terribly well because oh. I think I'll be driving most yeah. of the time. Well, I think the no, thing I'm we're... actually not going. So I, there we go. That's right. You're I can not, just sit can, on the sofa sit, and, and watch it. <laughs> you can be on your trainer <laughs> at eleven o'clock at night. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of GC GC contenders, and really, I don't know if we can we can honestly call Alberto Contador a GC contender. It's his it's his final race as a professional. Uh, he's there. Um, you're looking at uh, obviously um, uh, Vincenzo. Vincenzo. You're mm. lo- Vincenzo Nimbly, Froome, uh, Romain Bardet, uh, Ilner Zakarin. Why not? Right. So there's there's some opportunities here for guys like Zacharin, for example, um, and then of course there's Fabio Aru. There are guys in this race who did not race Tour de France, mm-hmm. or at least not completely. Maybe some guys went out, um, who will be fresh. So, I mean, Anthony, you think Froome is gonna gonna be top dog? Yeah. But there is an opportunity for guys like rested riders like Nibali and uh, and Zacharin, etc., to 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 take an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say any of the guys who well finish. Second or worst to Froome at the Tour won't be there because Froome came out of the Tour, for me, freshest. Like Bardet, I'm predicting he's just going to blow up. You know, it's it's such a hilly welter. You've got you're going to Andorra on stage three, although it's not going to that you know the rarefied air of that mountaintop finish. But it's not Arcole, but uh, it's um, still. I think in the first, you know, normally they have about nine or ten days of racing in the Grand Tours these days before the rest day. And in the first nine days of the Welter, there's five stages which are classified as either mountains or hilly. So really you need to be firing on all – you can't work your way into this Welter. Uh, That's what makes it quite different from particularly the the Tour and uh, also even the the Giro. So I I would say, yeah – Froome's competition will come from those guys who who raced the Giro or who didn't finish the Tour, such as... I don't, I'm not saying that George Bennett will be a massive contender, but I think he'll be fresher. I think and that's what makes it interesting, isn't it? Because the, the Tour, we sort of all understand the, the rhythm of it because we understand that those who are going for GC, we, we know their build-up. And these guys, the the Vuelta and the Giro, have that sort of mystique because you don't know how they're going at the end of the year in this case, or how they're going at the start of the year for the Giro. But I think the the Vuelta has that real sort of random sense of it could be anyone's. But going on um, on the tradition of the last few years, I would put Vincenzo ahead of Chris Froome just based on freshness and 
his cunning, and we just need to see how he's going. Mm. Uh, Jamie, a writer like uh, Esteban Chavez, for example, who did write the entirety of the tour, but really did nothing and just kind of kind of slipped off the back and mm. rode to finish, in effect, uh, to recover from that knee injury he had earlier in the year. I mean, I guess are we, would we look at somebody like him and expect an explosion? I would. I wouldn't bank on Esteban Chavez in this. Certainly the course suits him, um, but I, I don't think you can say after coming back from a knee injury and showing very little um, and, you know, essentially not contributing during the Tour de France that you can name him as a top contender. I mean, maybe he's come over his emotional issues, obviously, with the death of his very close friend and mm. um, and Masseuse uh, uh, just before the Tour de France, which obviously, obviously had a big effect on his performance there. I'd, I'd love I'd love to see an Orica Scott go really aggressive in this race because they've got three really good contenders. They've got the Yates, both the Yates brothers, Adam and Simon, and Esteban Chavez. I'd love to see them use their numbers and try and get a bit more aggressive. Um, will Will we see it? I'm not sure the course is necessarily in that in that sort of mould because there's a lot of really short, steep climbs to finish stages, and there's less chance for that aggression from further out, which you know would play better in that sort of three pronged attack. Um, the other defining feature of the route is that there's a 40-kilometre time trial um, in the middle, which is going to be playing, you know, playing right into Chris Room's hands, you'd think. So, mm. I don't know. It's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to the battle well, between the GC guys. Team Sky, as usual, has fielded a you know, team that looks pretty awesome. Uh, Mikkel Neve, who's moving to, uh, to Orca Scott next year. Gianna Moscon, uh, Christian Knees. David Lopez, Watt Pauls, uh, Salvatore Puccio, Diego Rosa, and uh, Ian Stannard, who's kind of like the wild card on that team in a, in a sense. Um, but you've got guys like Rosa and, uh, and Eve in there, and, and really it's, it's, they are looking pretty awesome as a squad. Mm. It's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? If you look at Sky's history in the Grand Tours, Christian Knees, his name comes up again and again and again. It's, it's, I'm impressed just to see him on the start list. He was at the Tour. He's, he, and but he's one of the most anonymous of all the skies. Yeah. And um, but and he, he's a workhorse, and they must love him. They just signed mm. him again for what another two? Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. They've just extended with him. So mm. um, obviously a valuable rider for them in mm. terms of yeah that anonymity. But you know just there there day after day just riding out front or getting water bottles. I guess I'd pull him out just of the list uh, mm. just because we talk about the others so often, and it's just worth referencing the fact that he does keep on appearing. Yeah. And, yeah. Mm. Um, Astana, uh, speaking of, um, speaking of, uh, Fabio Aru, uh, and, uh, Astana's got an interesting writer on their team, which is, uh, Miguel Angel Lopez, mm. who is also an extremely good young climber. Uh, Aru is obviously coming off the tour. Uh, they've got a plan B, I guess, is the way we'd look at it. I think you'd have to say that because of the way... Aru tends to perform well, especially the last Tour de France. You know, he, he, you know, he did as Richie Port predicted. You know, in that first week, he said he was going to fade in the third week, and that's exactly what he did. So, uh, I think um, it's not to say Aru is not a Grand Tour rider. I just think maybe the Tour didn't. St- suit him that particularly this year Hmm. and uh i don't think he can back up again uh the 
the Volta after the Tour, especially in a GC role. How many uphill finishes are there, Jamie? You sort of know these kinds of details. Uh, there's eight summit finishes, depending on how you define summit finishes, because there's a few where they get to the top and then there's like a quick downhill and an uphill. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah, eight summit finishes, five mountain stages on top of that, uh, three intermediates I've classified them as, and two sprints with two sprints with false flat sort of uphillish finishes. I think that sort of augurs well for Aru then. You know, like, yeah. you, you know, clearly. You can't just base what your forecast is for September on July. No. Oh, pardon me, August and September. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I think that's the, the real preview trap is to just sort of assume that we saw what happened at the tour and this is sort of what it's going to play out at the Vuelta. hasn't happened that way for the last few years. Look at Chris Froome last year. You know, he was all over the Tour de France and he goes to the Vuelta and just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, yeah. and Quintana was average at the Tour and then he comes down and does amazingly well at the Vuelta. So. Yeah. Mm. Good to have that battle. Yeah. Shame to see Quintana not there, but then not again, really. Well, he couldn't, he couldn't do, th- you know, <laughs> he couldn't do Giro all the way through to the Vuelta. Could we he, didn't you know? talk about Adam last week, so we can raise that now that we're talking about doing Grand Tour successions. You know, like he's back 18th yeah. in a row. Nin- he always wasn't 19? there. 19? Uh, yeah, 19. Yeah. 19. He's already done that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, so, I mean, that's Adam Hansen. Everyone knows that. Yep. Um, I thought he played that very well. He had a non-selection and he was very gracious. And then, unfortunately, um, uh, Raphael Fowles broke his pelvis. Yep. And uh, even though Adam wasn't on the even on the reserve list, he got the call up. So I wonder how that all played out in Belgium. Well, it's it's looking like uh, eight Australians uh, in the race, including Adam. Um, so we're talking about uh, um, Jack Haig. Jack Haig. So we're talking about Rowan Dennis uh-huh. uh, for starters. Uh, then we head to the um, Orica Scott guys with uh, uh, with Jack Haig. And then there's also, and then we've got Chris Hamilton, we've got Lachlan, Morita, Lachlan Morton, who's with uh, Dimension Data, um, Chris Hamilton, who's riding with, uh, with Sunweb, which would be really interesting to follow, and we've got that interview with him later. Um, and also there's, uh, there's one interesting, interesting young Australian riding with Cajo uh, Rahal, uh, the uh, Pro Conti um, Spanish team. In um, in Nick Schultz, uh, which is fascinating. I mean, you've got this young guy who's just—it's kind of random, really, when you think about Australians riding with Spanish teams. I mean, it's mm. every other rider on the team is is effectively is effectively Spanish, with the exception of uh, Fabrizio Ferrari. Um, was I Nick one, one of those other, guys so, at the know. Tour de Lavenir last year that was just up there with Lucas Hamilton? Was that uh, he won a stage of the Tour de Lavenir last year, but he's not—he's not a product of the of the Jaco. World Tour Academy. He's got. He's really much. Uh, he's really carved his own path in mm-hmm. cycling. He's kind of done it old school, um, where the riders used to go over to Europe and find their own way into teams and get um, stagiaire roles. He got a stagiaire um, stint with Orica for a while. Thought that might c- become a contract, but it wasn't. Um, so he did a while with SEG, which is a small uh, local Spanish team over there, and he's managed to find his way to Carry Royal, and he's done really well over there. So. Credit to him, Vuelta start, and, yeah, it'd be great to see what he can do there. But he's of that Lucas Hamilton sort of uh, genre of rider, is he? He's a climber. Is uh, that what the 211 year stage was last year? He, or is... He's not a pure climber. I mean, I wouldn't put him up there with Hamilton or Hindley, but he's he's definitely got mm-hmm. climbing ability and he's got... He's, he's more for those intermediate stages. Okay. Think, so. mm-hmm. And we've also got, um, with Canon Del Drapak, uh, Brenton Canty and uh, Simon Clark. Uh, you know, in that mix, and of course, you know, Brendan Canty. I think, I think we still really, we really need to. I think he's 
still in the we still need to see what he can do, can't we? I don't think he's really quite gelled yet. No, I think it's isn't it his first year in the world hmm. tour anyway, so it's I mean, it's, yeah, it's way too early to suggest that he might I don't know, do a good GC or something like that. Uh, but wasn't, you know, we're speaking of Cairo, wasn't there a, a British rider who rode for them who then went to... Hugh Carthy. Yeah, Carthy. who went to Cannondale. So it's not like it's... I know if we're going to talk about Anglophones on foreign teams, it's it's not... it's They've almost got a bit of a back history there. So, uh, but it's, yeah, it's it's cool to see these Aussies pop up who still are not a product of the World Tour Academy. I mean, there's now so many pathways. You've got, uh, you know, the Cannondale Drap Pack. You've got uh, Joko uh, World Tour Academy, then Orica Scott, and then you've got the, the randoms, you know, who just sort of cut their own path. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Contador, we're not expecting... Contador to do anything spectacular in this race, are we? Yeah, attack and attack and attack, but probably not go anywhere. But yep. at least I think he can't help himself, <laughs> and that's spectacular. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and I think that makes racing, and that's why people love him. Yeah, I was going to say the opposite. It will be spectacular. It probably won't be very good, but it will be spectacular. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, that was uh, there was a cheer in the press room, which doesn't happen very often. It was one time when he attacked on a climb and, and everyone thought, oh, finally, someone's actually doing something. Mm. And that's Tour de France. But uh, and uh, So he has that potential to uh, ignite the passions of people who are a bit over it. No, 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 the, the press room <laughs> does get a bit excited at, at times. But, um, you know, Contador, I, let's not forget how he won that, that, that the welter a couple of years ago. I mean, it was just that stage 15 that everyone talks about as one of the Grand Tour stages of the last 10 years. Mm. And um, you can't... You can never rule a guy who wears his heart on his sleeve like Contador does out of the picture. That's my theory. I don't know. Am I just hanging hanging on to 10 years ago? Well, yeah, well, uh, well, I'll, I'll, that, that I'll was be happy 2012, to rule him out. Yeah. Are you talking yeah, about no, the 2012? but I'm also talking about the Contador of old versus the mm. Contador of this year. Like, for example, there used to be a swarm of people everywhere he went, but this year, um, at the tour at least, he could ride around pretty much without a fuss. I think, I don't know. He's, he's got, uh, I have to say, when his press officer, Jacinto Vidarte, releases his press releases, they tend, his comments tend to be much more interesting than they were pre-suspension, if you like. Uh, he's, he seems to just say what he thinks now. He really, before you were trying to work out, is he, does he mean what he say, says, you know? Uh, now he just says it. And uh, so... Yeah, but then at the same time, he doesn't have that same punch. I mean, I don't think anyone believed that he could really honestly win. A, after he crashed really badly at the Tour, I think after that, you just felt there was something missing. And then you've seen it. It's almost a mark of a great Grand Tour rider. They go past their use-by date. Mm. Uh, if you look at Merckx, uh, Armstrong, Contador, they always go a bit... Few years past, you know, their Grand Tour winning winning ability, and then they don't want to become a domestique either. Mm. 
Now, um, I've mentioned, uh, I've mentioned um, Miguel Angel, Angel uh, Lopez um, as a possible with Astana as an outsider. So there's like this second, this second group, and I guess another rider we might put in that second group as, as a potential to, to, to snare a, a, their first Grand Tour. Um, I look at somebody like Bob Youngles. Um, mm. Anybody else out there, anybody stand out to you? as Julian well, Alaphilippe, if you look at the theory of it, but then the application where he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to win Grand Tours, sort of that's a bit of sh- is shadow boxing. I think I've said that before about him. Mm. You wonder if he's actually stating the truth because he has all of the potential to be someone who could be knocking on the door. And with, when him's, well, I mean, he's on the same team as Bob Youngles, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm. I don't know. I put him in the same category, Rob, as uh, Kwiatkowski. You know, he also mm. just says, no, no, no. I think first they need to learn the ropes, like be, to, be the first lieutenant like a Geraint Thomas yeah, is to Chris Froome and then after, but to just shove him in that role, it's too, too violent a, a move up. Mm. Mm. I mean, you talked about George. I'm not saying George Bennett's going to win the Vuelta, but I think, you know, when he was out of the tour, he was still top 10 Mm. and uh, and only abandoned because of illness. And um, if it is climb after climb after climb, like the Vuelta tends to be, uh, he's just, I think it'll be interesting. It's definitely worth Kiwis staying up very, very late if they get a chance to watch. And also with that time trial, because he's pretty handy against the clock. He's not a plonker against the clock. Not at all. Yeah. And, and uh, who else? Uh, well, you've referenced Roman Bargui, so he's up there. We can talk about everyone, but Louis Manches, Menkes, he's, he's already you know announced that he's changing teams, but he's also one of those riders who was you know literally in the last handful of guys on the climbs often. <laughs> for the last couple of years and he seems to be motivated to try and improve himself as a GC rider and I think at this end of the season it is about it's not just so much form it's also about motivation and uh, he might just be one of those guys who mm. yeah I've got a few names here which might be uh, surprises I mean Alpha Leap was on there uh, Ilma Zakarin's on there um, who else? Rui Costa. I'll bring him up, as I often do. <laughs> he, I mean, if he's ever going to win a Grand Tour, this is a Grand Tour he win because they are those incredibly short, um, sharp finishes. And that's somewhere where, you know, more of a classics guy, like a Julian Alaphilippe, like a Rui Costa, can actually create, actually do have the advantage over the more pure climbers who are there for the really long ascents because there aren't, there aren't so many of those really long ascents. There's the Anglerou in the final stage, uh, the penultimate stage. But, you know, apart from that, there aren't many of those, you know, super hard, long climbs that they're really going to have to tackle. So yeah. I'm, I'm interested in seeing, you know, who can put their hand up from that sort of second tier, as you were saying. Yeah, like um, Daniel Navarro. I mean, shouldn't Cofidis be listed as a potential Grand Tour winner just once uh, in a while? Yeah, but, you know, I'm pl- I mean, uh, Sorry, <laughs> just in case anyone yeah. thinks I'm being serious. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Jeez, I just keep Sorry, Daniel, but it's not yeah, that, like yeah. you know, like yeah. uh, it, that. Coffee has won mountains jerseys at the tw- at the Vuelta before. Sure, it could happen. It could happen again. Hope those last. Um, uh, so, but we all, so we all agree though. This this is a this is a tour about the GC more than anything else. Oh, I don't know, Phil. We've just thrown up so many bloody <laughs> names in the last ten minutes. I just think. It's a preview. I think, though... If you I, pinned a number on that, Anthony Tan could have a crack. No, what's... what's <laughs> uh, I, I don't do that in my... I think it was the... Who does that? Um, no, I won't name names, but there's, there's some guy who writes you previews. you can't remember the name. 
No, for cycling tips, and he names like fifty riders. I don't, I don't do no, that. No. But we've named quite a few. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's all right. But, but, but I think you the whole idea. Uh, I, I, I think Aaron Gates in with a chance. No, <laughs> well, I, it, might, it might win a stage because yeah. there aren't there aren't those strong sprinters teams who are going to go. Oh, yes, okay, I'm going to bring it back for the sprints on the intermediate stages or the stages with a few hills in them. Mm. So why not, you know, go in the breakaway and have a roll yeah. roll of dice if you are yeah. one of those sort of stronger riders like a Naren Gate who's better on the flatlands. 100%. Look at what yep. Court did last year when yep. he won two stages, even when he won in, in Madrid. The yep. team car and was sitting there gobsmacked thinking, what happened then? Yeah, and Court's, court's in that exactly. in that uh, Oracle list as well. Yeah. So, you know, he's uh, he's back for a little bit more. Um, and that's, again, that's what makes the Welter interesting. Yeah. Exactly yeah. what you were talking about, about the chances of Aaron Gate and the like of mm. picking up a stage win. So. Yeah, okay. it's the randomness, I think, that yeah. makes it interesting. And that's what people get frustrated about the tour for because it's very predictable. Yeah. And so the Welter and the Giro are always exciting. They're great. It's wide open. Okay, yeah. before, we, uh, before we throw it to Chris Hamilton, um, let's go with our uh, top three. Anthony. Oh, gee. Okay, well, Froome. Um, Nibali and some random. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oops. Uh, I've said Nibali already, so I'm going to back that through. Um, Chris Froome third and second will be someone else. Um, I'd like to, you know, it'd be great fun to see Bardet come back. I'm going to back him because I do like him and we, we tend to cheer for him in our household, so it makes a little bit of Colour. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Nibbly, uh, Raphael Micah and Rui Costa are my picks Ooh, for the top oh, three. I love how Costa three. comes Micah. back. Far Micah. out. He's, he's going to be rising up the standings. In 15 years' time, you'll <laughs> still be calling oh. Rui Costa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Come on, Phil. Uh, yeah, Froome Nibbles. Uh, Froome, uh, Vincenzo Nibbly. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with a, with a predictable top three with Romain Bardet. Because I reckon those guys are they're the business. They're they're pretty much top dog these days. So yeah. I think it's pretty hard to go past them as a predictable. But I'm going to yell for George. Yes. We're, well, we are all supporting George as well, right? He's that other Aussie that's not an Aussie. So yeah. we'll do that. There's okay. a lot of uh, there's a lot of Aussies who aren't Aussies in the news of late. I noticed. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. It's an Australian thing, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, but someday maybe we'll have Russell Crowe on to explain that to us. Uh, so at the end, of, so now to you know to close this, let's uh, let's listen to uh, Jane Aubrey talking to Vuelta debutante Chris Hamilton. Uh, right now. Bendigo's Chris Hamilton is among five Grand Tour debutants for Sunweb at this week's Vuelta Espana. He joins me now. Chris, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Podcast. Hey, Jane, thanks for having me. Not even a year on from the formal announcement that you had signed on for Sunweb, it's been a whirlwind season and now you're racing in your first Grand Tour. How is your head not spinning? It's pretty crazy. For starters, I mean, being a, being a Neo and you know, going professional at 21 or something, I, I never, never ever would I have expected to be doing a Grand Tour. Um, it was never on my plan. I mean, we... Uh, we, we discussed what I'd be doing this year way back in December and yeah, it was all uh, it was all pretty straightforward and and yeah now it's uh, I've, uh, I've I've been really happy with how I've how I've handled the year and I guess my team has as well and yeah I think I'm ready so he'll uh, bring it on I think in a season of first what's your feeling heading into the Vuelta as opposed to your other races so far does it feel any different at all 
It does feel different. Yeah, I've. I mean, normally when you go to a race, you just, um, you know, you do your, you do your training or whatever in the, in the week leading up to. So you do, you know, you start you start to taper beforehand. And um, but th- this this has been a bit different for me. I mean, I've done and it just come off the Bing Bang tour, um, which was really successful for us, and that's a tour that I've. Uh, definitely have not experienced anything quite like that in my uh in my time i mean it's it's basically a week of uh doing uh of, of classics <laughs> um, so i think it was good it's, it was good for me to do it in the aspect that um for positioning and, and fighting and 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 things like that but it also was uh one of the biggest weeks i've ever done like distance wise on the bike and okay. i'm like well now I've got uh now I've got five days and I'm and I'm starting a grand tour so I'm uh, <laughs> I think I'll be yeah I mean obviously this week I won't be doing a lot and I'll be I'll be recovered enough but it's it's a very different run into what I'm usually I'm usually used to and I usually don't and for sure I don't think about the racing as much as I have about about the Vuelta but I'm excited. Good to hear. Um, the team has had a supremely successful 2017. What's been your biggest takeaway as a neo pro in that sort of successful environment? Just the guys I get to ride with. Um, yeah, just this week I've been on a, a road for you know road with Tom Tom Dumoulin and he just won a, a Giro d'Italia this year and and this week I'm riding for him and he wins the Big Factor as well. So it, it's kind of <laughs> It's I, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. They're my they're my they're my teammates, and and they're just uh, you know they're they're normal good guys. But there still is a bit of me that's uh, that's very uh, yeah. I, I guess a bit uh, humbled for sure, just yeah. to be able to to get the opportunity. And but straight away, as soon as I went to even to it down under, just being able to pull on a pro kit and be like, well. This is my uh, this is my job now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a, it's a pretty cool feeling. Somewhere will be led very capably by Rowan Bargwill and then also Wilco Kelderman at the Vuelta. How do you think those guys will stack up against what's expected to be a very tight GC race? I've got yeah, for, for sure. I've got uh, I've got confidence in them. I mean, I've seen uh, Wilco's had a bit of an unlucky year with with injury and and whatnot, but I've seen him. Uh, I've ridden with him before, and, and and the same with Warren. And I know they're both very capable riders. And um, yeah, they have our as as a teammate. They they get my full backing, but I really think we can continue on our on our success in Grand Tours this year and, and keep the ball rolling. So it's, I think we can do well. Great. And do you have any special instructions from the team as yet, a few days out from, from the start of the race? Um, not so much from, uh, like, yeah, not so much instructions, I guess. Um, when when we all come together and we start uh, doing our planning and stuff in the days leading up, for sure I'll have uh well, each day we'll discuss. There'll be there'll be different roles and positions that we, uh, the, we as the support riders have to play. But mainly because uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of experienced guys on my team, obviously as well. And yeah, in the, in the past few weeks, I've just uh, just speaking with them, and they give you little tips and hints and tell you what it's going to be like and everything like that. That's that's really helpful for me. 
because uh, obviously I don't have a lot of insight or, or knowledge into what a Grand Tour is going to be like. So it's good that um, the guys are so the guys of my team are so so supportive of and uh, understanding of uh, of someone doing their doing their first tour. Sometimes you just can't get outside for a ride because it's either late at night or the weather is just horrible or you have other family commitments. The beauty of Zwift is you can Zwift at any time of day for however long you like. There's always a community of friendly cyclists and competitors waiting to take on the roads of Watopia or Richmond where the World Championships were held in 2015. Perfect for the time-crunched athlete or new cyclist. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Earlier, uh, earlier this week, uh, the Australian cycling community was shocked to hear of the death of Olympian Stephen Woolridge. Um, difficult thing to parse for many people uh, who knew him well, particularly if you uh, if you lived in Sydney and you were in the comi- community. Uh, Rob, uh, a few words from you on uh, on Stephen. It's a uh, it's a very tender topic. It's difficult to talk without going to tears. Really, um, I knew Steve. Like a lot of people who rode in Sydney, a lot of people who were out on the bike or in the cycling community, they knew Steve for the, the gentleman that he was. Uh, we all miss him dearly. Um, he um, was just one of those riders. It, it was, you could say that he danced on the periphery of um, of the Australian cycling community, but he didn't. He was a, 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 and and the last couple of days have proven that there's a lot of people who have been brought to get back together again because of what's happened. Um, and it's also awkward for me to talk about because it, it is uh, someone who took his own life and it's a tender topic and we want to make sure that anyone who's uh, affected by it manages it in the right way. And, I, you know, there's, there's journalism protocols about these things and I think it's very careful. We need to be careful with what, what's happened. Um, but the upshot is that um, my take of, of, of Steve Waldridge is that he will be remembered fondly by everyone. There's like people keep saying no one had a bad word to say about him. He uh, was one of those guys who, when you saw him in the street, you felt like you'd you'd just hung out with him at the pub the night before because he would always just be talking about how things were going with you. He wanted to. He, I bumped into him just before the Tour de France at a bike shop um, in in Sydney, and he walked in, and it was just coincidental. He was doing business across the street, and he he saw the an old friend of his and he came across and we talked and he asked about my family and about my children and he did that with everyone and he leaves behind Tom who's 10 and uh, Augie or August uh, who's six and uh, and a whole lot of people who miss him dearly and have not stopped talking about him since uh, they found out the news around about Monday evening and um, the the funeral and our uh, Details haven't been announced yet, but it's likely to be next Friday in Penshurst. I think it's going to be a, a, an enormous coming together of a, a huge group of, uh, uh, of people from the Australian cycling community, but also from the University of New South Wales where he worked. And uh, he was uh, credited as one of the, uh, the, the leading um, fundraisers for some um, initiatives that he'd done, uh, engaged with over the, at uni in Kensington in the, after his cycling career. Um, and I'm not talking very well because I, it's, um, it's just very upsetting and uh, we just wish that he's, you know, our thoughts are with everyone who, who knew Steve and uh, I'm going to have to stop now. Sorry. I can't really articulate what I really want to say. Yeah, I think just from a 
um, Rob touched on just how it was, you know, have to be careful and how it was covered. And I think, I don't know if it was covered particularly well because I only saw two outlets. Out of all the news stories I read from, say, mainstream media outlets, there was only two that mentioned how he died because I think it leaves a lot of confusion <clears throat> when people read a story and they go, well, he's di- he died. The first thing you want to know is, well, is yeah. how yeah. and okay you can't explain the why that's very difficult too but i think it's quite important like if it is you know like you know it was a suicide so it's it's important to not be so uh to tiptoe around that topic because this is the whole point of say uh, talking about depression is to voice your feelings and not be so inhibited by um, societies, what what you think someone might say or feel, because if those people then um, characterise you, oh this this person, we don't really want to associate because he's got depression, then this is this is completely the wrong thing. That what should come out of it is that people should feel more open. Obviously, uh, that's it's easy for me to say, but it's a uh, very valid concept. But, and I think but, that what we've seen since the news came out is a lot of people that I that are in the the, the group who new Steve are asking if everyone's okay yeah mm. and uh, a lot of people aren't okay <laughs> yeah no no that's it's look if it it's the one thing that I think this this sort of thing reinforces is that you you need to look out for uh, for your mates and uh, and and do check in you know and say how are you going because pick, pick up the phone pick I've been the phone on the phone yes very much the last couple yes. of days and I've spoken with people who mm. I've fallen out of contact with and the the discussions that I've had have been very liberating and just because you can Facebook message or tweet or get in touch with people in myriad ways. Mm. Try and bump into them. Go and have mm. a you know, go Cup and of have coffee. a coffee and yes. pick up the phone, do something yeah. that you haven't done for a while and you'll feel liberated. It's mm. it's um, yep. I certainly have in these last few days and I hope that the legacy of Stephen Wooldridge is is uh, a lasting one that makes people recognise the need to reach out and talk to people when you're in real bad times. Okay. Yep, agreed. All right. Now to close uh, to close this discussion today, uh, we should uh, I guess you should all know that yes, the Vuelta a España is coming to your TV, your computer, your phones, your tablets, maybe even through telepathy. We might be beaming it straight into your head, that, like bone conduction. Bone conduction. Yes, we will. Wherever it is, we will be there. <laughs> and it's going to start with that uh, stage uh, stage one team's time trial, and it will be Monday morning, AEST. And it's at 1.30. Yes, the stages are late at night. But, you know, hey, it's something to do for to watch if you're an insomniac, mm. for starters. But um, it's in part because uh, these, these are late starts because, one, they, Vuelta does not offer uh, full live stages uh, for broadcast. Two, the Spaniards are, hey, mañana. They like to start a little bit later. The stage is a little bit shorter. So everything kind of... Yeah kind of finishes late in the day. So it's maybe not the best for us, but still. No, 1, 1 p.m. and sometimes even 2 p.m. starts are not uncommon at the world time. That's right, yeah, yeah. Short and punchy, that's what it's all about. Mm. Um, and it's at th- that time of the day in Australia where delirium does sort of uh, contribute to the conversation. So what's the hashtag for the Welter for SBS? Is it Just SBS Welter. SBS yeah, Welter. That's right. That's okay. it. You know. See and you on the couch, Peloton. That's right. And um, so it's, it's, and I should point out, it's the first time the Welter has been available in full 
on free-to-air TV in Australia. So it's a, look, it's a really unique opportunity to sort of get into the to the rhythm of what this race is about. And I think it's uh, it's something we really haven't had a chance to because, to be quite frank, we've only ever given the last eight. So now we have an opportunity to see see what this narrative looks like, uh, the stories of this race. Nice work, SBS. Yeah, we're yeah. pretty happy about it. Yeah. Um, of course, we'll be keeping you in the loop uh, on our Facebook page, uh, Twitter social channels, but make sure you check your guides for broadcasts in your local area. And uh, we'll have lots of daily video, other updates from the stages to keep you fired up for what we hope will be an eventful race. And uh, to close, one other note um, is that this podcast will be moving to Melbourne for future editions. Signing off. Hosted by Christophe Mallet, the man who produced the Tour de France podcast uh, for us. Um, so you'll get some more of him. And look, if you're wondering why we're doing this, well, you know, Melbourne is supposedly the best little city in the world. It does have a small issue with flesh-eating sea bugs, but beside that, beautiful little laneways and great art and, you know, fabulous community. It's an accessible city. But of course, it's, uh, it is the beating heart of Australian cycling. Uh, it's where Cycling Australia is positioned. And of course, many of our, our overseas professionals uh, come back home to Melbourne or call Melbourne home. Um, so that gives us an opportunity to sort of place ourselves in the midst of that and hopefully uh, bring you an even better podcast in time. Uh, you want to say goodbye to everyone? See ya. No, I, I don't know. I don't know what you say. It's. I don't think it will be the last time. Maybe it might inspire me to come back onto television. Oh. That'd be scary. No, I don't know. <laughs> I. I think it's. It's. I'm. I've enjoyed this discussion that we've had. You know, whether it was uh, weekly or fortnightly, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good chance for us to air all the things that you know. Just people talk about a, over a coffee, or, although we're, you know, supposedly professionals talking about hmm. it. So I think it's be good. It's a breath of fresh air, and uh, maybe that's, you know, what's needed to keep people interested, um, you know, throughout the world and the rest of the the season. It'd be nice for a, a new take on things to hear from, yeah, Christoph yeah. and Dave McKenzie, uh, Matt Keenan. Patty or, Shaw. I think yeah. we're going to try and get Pat Shaw on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, I think new voices. It's it's just like, you know, when uh, uh, Phil and Paul were, I guess, replaced by Robbie and Matt. I mean, it takes a while to get used to, but I think people get used to it very quickly. Rob? I've enjoyed coming in here. I think I been doing this a couple of years now and I, mm. I liked the way Al Hines hosted it. I enjoy talking with you, Phil. I think you host the, the podcast very well. Jamie's done a few and it's been a pleasure to learn his knowledge and uh, I, I love the chance to talk about cycling and I, if if I get the chance to join Christoph again and I did some, so a few times during the tour, I would love to. I think he uh, hosts it in an excellent manner. Thanks to everyone who listens. Uh, would love more feedback and uh, I say that every time and uh, we can respond. And uh, But I'm going to keep on writing about cycling, talking about cycling, presenting cycling and uh, it's been a pleasure to have that opportunity with SBS, so thanks very much. Jamie? Yeah, I mean, it's just sitting around this uh, octagonal table and getting, getting used to uh, putting out your views to society. Oh, wait, it's hexagonal. Um, and... It's just part of that cycling, uh, part of that cycling culture. I enjoy just chatting about whatever's happening in the cycling world, and there's always so much going on. And I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. We'll be chatting away in different formats, at least, if not on the podcast. So, Correct. congrats to Christoph and congrats to Zwift. You've got a good product here. 
Okay, and that's it from us as we close out this swift SBS Cycling Podcast. Spin Rail, we'll talk to you later. <laughs>